0: Eagles Entertainment. Compassionate and trusted care. Clinical expertise. It's the cornerstone of NovaCare rehabilitation and why they're the leading provider of physical therapy throughout the Delaware Valley. Don't let aches and pains or any injury slow you down. Schedule an appointment today at NovaCare.com. The Philadelphia Eagles choose NovaCare, so can you. NovaCare, the power of physical therapy. Hello, and welcome to Modern Times. We've landed in the 2010s. It's a decade stuffed full of rivalry memories. I remember some of them like they were yesterday, while others from years ago are so fleeting. I know. When we started this, we were so much younger, and so was the rivalry. We've traveled from the 1960s where a fledgling Dallas Cowboys franchise left a big mark on the Eagles. The first thing you
1: saw was Timmy getting up off the ground with blood Timmy out of his mouth his helmet off.
0: Hitting running back Timmy Brown and jump-starting the fierce competition between the Birds and the boys. Then it was to the early 70s for disco music, too many losses to keep track of, and cowboy dominance. Everybody hated us. Everybody wanted to beat us.
2: By the early 80s, Eagles fans could finally brag about being Eagles fans.
0: And boy, did they.
3: You couldn't hear. It was just like a
0: roar it was beautiful that pride lingered for the rest of that decade for two big reasons snowballs and hard-hitting football
2: aka buddy ball
4: it was a way to get back at the cowboys
2: by the 1990s the cowboys were unstoppable with Aikman Irvin and Smith but our team still had moments of Eagles glory Troy Aikman was the golden boy
5: And uh, here's this tough Eagles defense. They really got after him.
0: We cruised through the 2000s. The Aughts served up pickle juice, a super close Super Bowl, and a whole lot of lopsided wins. We
1: scored 49. We broke the old Chicago Bears record. I think Chicago beat them like 44 to nothing. So that was satisfying, for sure.
0: Here we are, tackling a new decade in this episode of Return Game, Birds, Boys, and Bad Blood, presented by Novacare Rehabilitation. I'm your host, Rob Ellis. And I'm Derek Gunn. Let's head straight into 2013. President Obama started his second term. Prince George was born. Earworms, Happy and Let It Go were everywhere. I think just mentioning those titles means that they are going to be with me all day. And probably all of our listeners too. So
2: you're welcome. I would break in a song, but we don't have the rights and I don't have the voice. Edward Snowden became a household name, and this year marked 50 years since JFK was shot in Dallas, an event we touched upon in our
0: 1960s episode. In 2013, the Eagles draft class included Lane Johnson and Zach Ertz. And among the Cowboys draft picks were Travis
2: Frederick and Terrence Williams. Jason Garrett was in his third full season as head
0: coach. And the Eagles had a new head coach, too. His name was Chip Kelly
6: almost cherub-like at times, a lot of energy, spoke really fast.
0: Eagles insider Dave Spadaro's description is spot on. Kelly made a career coaching college football. He had stints at Johns Hopkins and New Hampshire before landing in Oregon. It was here he developed a reputation as a coach who thought outside of the box and wasn't afraid to try new things.
6: He actually had the attention of the NFL that first year because he came from the University of Oregon, with this offense that came and played at breakneck speed. And for a year and a half, Chip had the number of NFL's defenses, and they really couldn't figure out this no-huddle, up-tempo, spread the field, and go kind of offense.
0: And it worked for the Eagles as they won the NFC East. But we're getting ahead of ourselves a bit. Let's rewind for a moment.
7: I am Connor Barwin. I played outside linebacker and defensive end for four years with the Philadelphia Eagles.
0: Barwin arrived in 2013 after playing in Texas, not with that Texas team, the other one in Houston. He was stoked about being an Eagle and working with Coach Kelly.
7: The Eagles were a historic franchise. They were very good. They went to a number of different NFC championship games with Donovan McNabb, Brian Dawkins, a lot of great players. Uh, But the Super Bowl eluded them. And so then I came in 2013 when they hired Chip Kelly. He was really exciting.
0: From the jump, Coach Kelly changed the way the team practiced.
7: He did a bunch of stuff to kind of simplify what they do offensively, but was very effective early on. We practiced a ton, What we practiced fast, got off the field. There was this real kind of urgency. But I think the biggest thing was just the way he went about practicing. We practiced different under Chip Kelly.
0: A little inside knowledge, playing alongside Barwin was Brent Selleck. Selleck and Barwin knew each other from their days playing at the University of Cincinnati. Oh, and Jason Kelsey had been Barwin's roommate. So you had Kelsey, Selleck, and now Barwin on the team, and they joined yet another Bearcat, Trent Cole. Cole had been an Eagles defensive lineman since 2005. That really is a small world. Four Bearcats on one team. So in comes Chip Kelly from a university system where teams are run so differently. Could that style of football translate to the NFL? Here's Selleck and Spadaro.
3: I was excited. You know, I thought... Anytime you're doing something new, something you believe in, it's exciting. So I thought we were gonna be a good football team. They
6: played football fast, fast, and faster. And then fastest was their fourth gear. And we all wondered how that would translate to the NFL and how he would be able to communicate his message to a locker room filled with grown men who in the NFL, it's very tradition based. And Chip, his
0: idea was to come in and Smash all the norms. Heading into the Week 17 game, the final game of the season, any inconsistencies the Eagles had were not on display. In fact, the Birds played pretty well under Coach Kelly that season. Their record was 9-6, and and one of those losses was to the Cowboys.
6: Earlier that season, the Cowboys did a number on the Eagles, 17-3 win. I mean, the offense got completely shut down.
2: The Cowboys were 8-7, and seven, and both teams were amped up for their second meeting. And this time, they'd be on Dallas' turf.
0: The Cowboys had been in their new stadium the last few years. It's called AT&T Stadium now. And it's nicknamed Jerry World, after owner Jerry Jones. It was huge. It had a retractable roof, seated 80,000 fans, but if needed, could accommodate 105,000.
7: I don't really like playing in Dallas. I don't like playing on turf, which is a turf stadium. It's a long flight. I don't like long flights as a player. And the big TV they have, you don't like as a player. Because when you're on the sideline, you like to look at the TV and see replays or different stuff during the game. And if you're on the field, you actually have to kind of tilt your head way back and look up.
0: Over Zoom, Barwin tilts his head back to illustrate the neck placement required at Jerry World. Ouch.
7: Which, you know, over a course of a three, four hour game, you get tired of doing where other stadiums, it's in the end zones, it's very easy to see. But with all that being said, just the entertainment aspect of it, it is a big, exciting stadium that people get excited to play at. And
2: with this being the make or break game, the feelings that come along with it are intense. Whether you're in Dallas or in
3: Philly, it's just a lot of energy. And I think the teams feel that, like the guys on the field know that.
6: The atmosphere in the stadium was great that night. Again, primetime game, tons of Eagles fans always in attendance in Dallas. It was a really terrific venue and spots and moments in this Eagles-Cowboys rivalry. I mean, once again, the winner stays alive and the loser goes home tailed between its legs. And that's kind of what you want against your biggest rival with a season on the line
0: kickoff was at 8 30 p.m. on December 29th 2013. There were over 90,000 fans in the stands. The roof was closed.
5: Alex Henry to kick off. Philadelphia won the toss and deferred. So 90,000 waving towels here in Arlington, Texas and off we go the final game of the regular season and it starts with a run back from six
0: yards deep. The Eagles scored first the field goal. Second quarter, Eagles running back LaShawn McCoy catches a touchdown pass from Nick Foles. The Birds took a 10-0 lead.
2: Tony Romo, the Cowboys' starting quarterback, was out.
7: So Kyle Orton was playing, so that probably gave us a little bit more confidence. No offense to Kyle Orton. The Cowboys get on
2: the board. Kyle Orton throws to Gavin Escobar.
0: The Eagles struck again later in the first half on a Brent Selick touchdown reception.
2: I was off the ball on the right-hand
3: side. Of the formation i ran a flat route and no one covered me i caught it and ran right in the corner of the end zone and got hit right when i got
0: in the end zone the score 17 to 7 eagles a kicker named dan
2: bailey would close out the half with a field goal for the boys the score 17 to
0: 10 birds it's halftime back to the visiting team's locker room it is cowboy silver everything is very very silver There are silver lockers, silver walls, silver floors. After a short pep talk from Coach Kelly and a check-in with their position coaches, Selleck and Barwin run back onto the field. But this is Texas and Jerry World, so it's a glass tunnel from the locker room to the field.
7: Jerry was the first one to do this, but when you walk out to the stadium, you're like in a zoo and there's glass walls and all the Cowboys fans are drinking at a bar and sometimes they're banging on the wall. We like walk through this tunnel to the stadium, which maybe was meant to psych you out. But actually, I think it pumps you up. So you might be working in reverse. The guys go from the zoo to the
2: open field for the start of the second half. Dan Bailey nails two field goals, bringing the score at the end of the third quarter to 17 to 16 Eagles.
0: Starting the final quarter with a one point lead could lead to panic and sloppy football. But Barwin seems to remember that he kept his cool.
7: Probably at that point you're so into the game and honestly you you kind of revel in those really competitive, really close games, and you just kind of get in kind of a zone.
2: At this point, it was a real toss up. Anybody could win. A play, any play was needed to break this game open.
7: Dallas was driving. I think they were on the plus side of the field, and it was fourth and two and they ran a bootleg, which is they faked the run, and the quarterback kind of ran outside to pass it. Now, the interesting part about this play is when Kyle Orton turned around and ran and tried to pass it, I jumped up and batted the ball down, turnover on downs, so we got the ball.
0: But in reality, Barwin may just have been in the right place at the wrong time.
7: The inside scoop on that play is... I was actually not supposed to rush the quarterback on that play. I had a mental error. I was so kind of excited. And when the ball was snapped, I wanted to make a play so bad that I just made a decision and took off. And in reality, if I wouldn't have jumped up and batted that ball, he was throwing to my guy who was wide open, who would have been a first down. So in many ways, it was a great play. And I made the play. On defense, if you're just playing really fast and playing hard, you can cover up a lot of mistakes. When I remember, I looked exactly at my coaches in the eye on the sideline because I knew and they knew. Even some of my teammates might not have known because they don't know when an outside linebacker is supposed to be dropping in coverage. And everybody was probably so excited. But that, that actually almost was a really bad. In a, in a split second, it went from, you know, oh, I just messed this up to, all right, let me jump up and try to make a play and just bat it down with the tip of my finger and kind of save my ass on that. But it's funny how that works out sometime.
2: Here's how the Cowboys wanted the play to unfold. Kyle Orton throws a pass. His target is DeMarco Murray. Murray catches the football and scores.
0: Cowboys take the lead. No such luck. That pass was incomplete. And the reaction?
7: I'm sure it was quiet and they weren't happy. I kind of had a more Subtle reaction. Like I wasn't going crazy because I was kind of in my head thinking, like, good play, but you got a little lucky there. You know what I mean?
0: Time is ticking down in the fourth quarter. Just over six minutes on the clock, and the Eagles score. Bryce Brown runs for six yards. The score sits at 24 16 Eagles. The NFC East title is almost in their grasp. Two minutes later, from the
2: Philadelphia 32, Orton passes to Des Bryant for a Dallas touchdown.
0: The two-point attempt fails. Eagles fans could breathe for a moment.
7: We got off the field on fourth down to give the offensive the ball back, and we thought at that point the game was over.
2: But there was still over three minutes left, and those Cowboys had a knack for surprising the Birds. They got the ball back.
7: You know, we were rushing Kyle Orton. He was in a desperate situation. He threw up a pass. Orton's target, Miles Austin. But not so fast. Brandon Boykin got the interception and then kind of fell to the ground. Then the game was truly over. Our offense just kneeled out the clock after that. And I remember that play, being on the field, excited to kind of make a play on Kyle Orton. And then turning around and watching Brandon make the play. And then all of us like running over and tackling him. Because then we knew the game was absolutely sealed. and. We just beat Dallas to go to the playoffs and win, win the NFC East.
2: Christy Scales says that for Dallas, it was tough to watch their playoff hopes slip away like that last intercepted pass to Miles Austin.
4: What I remember going into that game is just the charge atmosphere inside AT&T Stadium. And it's a place that can get loud, but Cowboy fans are pretty entitled. The fans were really juiced up that day. And even though Tony Romo had been injured earlier in the season and Kyle Wharton was having to fill in, I think there were still a lot of hopes going into that game. And that's why it was so crushing to not only miss the playoffs and do it shorthanded, but for the Eagles to advance,
0: that's what really hurt. Oh, Christy, sorry, not sorry. We've been there so many times.
2: The final score? 24 to 22. The Eagles clinch the NFC East, and the celebrations erupt.
7: You get in the locker room, and it's just, it's the best. I mean, it's absolutely the best. It doesn't matter that you're on the road. It's almost even a little sweeter when you do it on the road, especially in Cowboy Stadium. People are throwing out the T-shirts. I remember lots of hugs with everyone. That's a special hour after that game, just with your teammates. Nobody's in there. Coaches are ecstatic. You're hugging coaches. So it's, it's kind of messy, a bunch of sweaty men hugging each other and taking pictures and putting on, you know, acting like this $10 t-shirt is the greatest thing they've ever received. But it is. It's all that work and doing it as a team and being happy that you've given yourself the opportunity to get into the playoffs and compete to try to win a Super Bowl.
0: One week later, the Eagles took on the New Orleans Saints at home. It happened again. The final score difference, two points. It was another two-point game, but this time, it broke for the Saints. The Eagles lost 26-24. It was heartbreaking. And for the next several years, the Birds failed to get back to the playoffs until 2017.
2: And that's the year we are heading to
0: right now. I might be overstating it here, but the 2017 Philadelphia Eagles season is probably the most awesome beyond amazing in the history of the franchise and possibly the world or even the universe.
2: Rob, if anything, that is an understatement and you call yourself a fan.
0: I do, and I am. Anyway, I'm not the only one who feels nostalgic about remembering the 2017 season. Brent Selleck does too.
3: I think as you get older, you realize that any year can be your last. And for me, I wanted to win a Super Bowl. And so that's all that really mattered to me. Looking back on 2017, we had some things happen to us, like the kick that Jake had against the Giants to help us win.
5: Well, this will be a 61-yard attempt. That was a big play by Alshon Jeffrey to make the catch and go out of bounds. Are we expecting this one? No. But once upon a time, Mike and I did a game in Tampa where the Bucks. Kick the 62-yarder. And this is the dream of a kicker. Those dreams that they have Here we go. winning games, this is that one. Yeah, but it's 61 yards. Hold your breath. Ball is spotted. The kick is away. And the kick is... It's
2: gone! And the Eagles win! This is that dream I talked about. They win! He's had this dream before. 61 yards. The longest kick in Eagles history.
3: And some other things during that season, like we were playing the Rams and um, Carson goes down and Foles comes in and we win the game.
5: That is it. As the Eagles defeat the Los Angeles Rams 43 The 35, what a game!
3: Those are like big moments in our season that we build upon to ultimately win a Super Bowl. But it was like we had the right people. It was the right time. It was
2: like everything about it was perfect. Before that perfect ending season moment, the Eagles competed in some tough games. And as Brent Selick just said, overcame some obstacles that for lesser teams would have been season-ending challenges.
0: One of those moments happened in Week 11. The Eagles were in Dallas. It was the first meetup of the season. The Eagles were having such a good run. It was really a nod to what they were building to. Their record is 9-1. Doug Peterson had started as a head coach in 2016, but he was familiar with the Eagles and this rivalry because Peterson suited up for the Birds in 1999. The Cowboys were still under
2: the watchful eyes of Jason Garrett, a man who Christy Scales says loves Bob Dylan and Bruce Springsteen. 2017 should have been a good year for Garrett and the Cowboys.
4: The Cowboys had had such a good year the previous year during Dak and Zeke's rookie year, and so there were such high hopes entering 2017.
2: Those players Christy Scales mentioned are quarterback Dak Prescott and running back Ezekiel Elliott. People who follow the NFL know that sometimes the season doesn't always match the hopes. The Cowboys were sitting at 5-5. It's Sunday night, and the Birds are in enemy territory. Let's see what happened next.
5: The ball is spotted. The kick is away, and the kick is good, and the Cowboys lead 3-0.
2: Straight out of the gate, the Cowboys nail a 48-yard field goal. That's not a good feeling, and
3: you realize you're going to come from behind, but... You can't really focus on that. You just have to focus on the play that you're doing. You know, if you start focusing on other things, then I think you start playing terrible. And so the mentality for a lot of football players is just erase that last play, erase what just happened, and focus on the next thing.
0: That's tight end Brent Selleck. In 2017, he was in his 11th season with Philadelphia. He'd seen his fair share of roller coaster games. You know, the ups and downs, leads exchanged. And this game started just like that, but with a twist. Here's Dave Spadaro.
6: Jake tries to make a tackle. Kickers only do it if they're desperate. So Jake was desperate, stuck his head in there and got dinged and then missed a field goal. The lesson here is the kickers don't get mixed up with the big
2: boys. And I think Jake allowed himself to get mixed up a little bit with the big boys. And it cost him the rest of the game. Jake Elliott, the kicker, was out. Would this mean game over for the
0: Eagles? Then running back Kenyon Barner scores. The Eagles are in the lead. The Giants scoreboard in AT&T Stadium reads 7-3, Eagles.
2: Then two more field goals from Dallas's Mike Nugent. The Cowboys extended their lead to 9. The Eagles are holding at 7. It's halftime, and the teams run off to their respective locker rooms.
0: To even have a shot at the Super Bowl, the Birds needed to keep winning. So Coach Peterson's pep talk had to fire up the team.
6: I think he got after everybody a little bit in the halftime speech there. Because the Eagles offensive line came out and you could literally see their snorting and snuffing coming out of their noses. They were pissed.
0: Whatever Coach Doug Peterson said worked. When the team ran back onto the field, it was like they had Lombardi trophies in their eyes. There
2: was no stopping the birds.
4: The Cowboys offense was completely inept. That's from a cowboy standpoint. From an Eagles' standpoint, the Eagles' defense absolutely dominated. So it's which side of the fence you're on. But the truth is that they're both right.
0: Philadelphia not only came from behind, but they put up 30 points in the second half.
5: It is second down and two. Clements stays in. Repositioned from the left of Wentz to his right. Slot to the far side. Wentz comes right back to Clement. Five. He's into the end zone. And the Eagles regain the lead, and that's the kind of drive the Eagles needed. Three receivers to the far side of the field. Lentz takes it again. He's looking. He's still looking. He pumps. He fires. And penalty flag thrown as the pass is complete to Torrey Smith down at the one-yard line. And now they say he's in. Touchdown. Lentz in the shotgun. He's back. He's looking. He fires. And it is... Complete to Alshon Jeffrey for a touchdown. We had to wait. He went low, and we had to wait to see if he stayed with it, and he did. And it it's third and five for the Cowboys at their own 45. Prescott back again. He steps up. He is The ball is deflected and loose, picked up by the Eagles. It's Bradham. Nigel Bradham. Bradham picked it up and took it in for a
2: touchdown. The Cowboys didn't score in the second half. They did not make it to the end zone once. A touchdownless game. Is that even a
0: word? I think it's a two-word hyphenate. But we get the point, and so did Dallas.
4: It just left a bad taste in the mouth of not just Cowboys fans, but the organization, and I think the mindset that that wasn't going to happen the next year.
2: It's never a good idea to leave the enemy fired up, looking for vengeance, just like another Liam Neeson movie. But it's that one-upmanship that keeps this rivalry thriving and the fans completely enthralled, home or away. Eagles fans always show up in Texas. And when the Eagles play the
6: Cowboys, there is always a very large representation of Eagles fans. And that season with the Cowboys struggling, Dallas fans were more than happy to sell their tickets to Eagles fans. So it was a large, large contingent of Philadelphia Eagles
2: fans there who enjoyed every bit of it. After the game, all the Eagles fans who traveled to Dallas were ecstatic. I remember as the team came off the field
6: at the end of the game, huge numbers of fans at the tunnel where the Eagles exit the field to go into the locker room. So while it was in Dallas, it very much had a feel of a home crowd. And that's kind of the way it was that season. I mean, that was a team that left that field 9-1, and knowing that this was going to be a special ride of a season.
0: But the Eagles had more games to play and there was no coasting. The Birds finished the regular season 13-3. The team would continue on to have a magnificent postseason. They bested the Atlanta Falcons and Minnesota Vikings to advance to the Super Bowl for the first time since 2004.
2: In a faded rematch, they faced off against the New England Patriots and we all know how that ended. Let's take a moment to savor that victory. Nine
5: seconds left. Eagles by eight, Brady lines them up. He's back again, he steps up, he's hit, he stumbles. He is throwing it deep for the end zone and it is batted around and incomplete and the game is over! Oh. The game is over! Oh. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions! Oh. Eagles fans oh. everywhere, this is for you! Let the celebration begin!
2: There's gonna be a parade on Broad Street! Hey man, if this is a dream, don't wake me up! We're gonna have a parade on Broad Street! Um, hey, grease um, up the polls!
5: We're gonna have a parade! <laughs> The Eagles have won the Super Bowl. Oh my goodness. 41 to 33.
0: That clip is always listening gold. Okay, we're back. Derek, we seem to be only focused on the odd years in this episode 2013, 2017, and now we find ourselves in 2019.
2: It's as if the rivalry, at least from the Eagles' side, thrived in the odd years. Hmm,
0: 1979,
2: 1987, 1989, 1991. By the way, take a listen to those earlier episodes. You might notice a pattern. Anyway, 2019, it seems like yesterday. People were roaming free without a care in the world.
0: Prince Harry and Meghan Markle welcomed Archie. The U.S. women's soccer team won the 2019 FIFA World Cup. Avengers, Endgame, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, and Toy Story 4 all broke records. The
2: boys had Jason Garrett as head coach, and Doug Peterson was directing the Birds.
0: The first game against Dallas was Week 7. The Eagles were sitting at three wins and four losses. They had come off a defeat to the Vikings, and now they were headed to Jerry World to take on the Cowboys. Okay, so
6: in October, the Cowboys squashed, I mean, literally squashed the Eagles. And the enduring memory is Ezekiel Elliott bowling over Malcolm Jenkins. He had 111 yards rushing, he had a touchdown. It was a game where the Eagles had a touchdown taken away from them. Carson Wentz had a very, very poor game. And the Eagles were pissed because... They didn't feel that that was a
2: representative game. They didn't feel the Cowboys were in a different class. So it did not go well for the Birds. They eked out 10 points. To this day, defensive end Brandon Graham still has strong feelings about the team's poor performance.
1: It was embarrassing. You know, that first game, we got blew out. It was bad. I know I had my worst game as an Eagle against them. That was one of them games where I was hurting and trying to push through. And it just looked even worse because Zeke, Juke me on one play, boy, and it was like, one-on-one, am I going to make the tackle? I made him cut back inside, but it didn't look good on TV.
0: The final was 37-10 Cowboys. Well, that thrashing may have just stirred the need for payback.
1: By the time
6: the Cowboys came to Lincoln Financial Field, I think the defense, and I remember that week, a lot of player conversations and meetings, and the idea that, We are not going to let the Cowboys come in here and stomp on us.
1: For me, man, I just wanted to go out there and put up a better performance because I wasn't happy with the first one. I think everybody could say the same because the way we went out there
0: and played, you could tell that everybody wanted to make it right. Retribution was something the Eagles franchise had experimented with, but only a little. In the late 80s, Buddy Ryan was known for his scorekeeping and setting hard-hitting messages. But this more modern Eagles team had a different idea of payback. Think death by a thousand paper cuts. You don't really know its impact until it's too late.
2: It's December 22nd, 2019, and we have yet another late-in-the-season showdown for the rivals. Eagles fans are here for it. Dave Spadaro again. It's no secret that Eagles fans consider the Dallas Cowboys public
6: enemies number one, two, three, four, five. I mean... So many times I've had coaches say, you know, I came to Philadelphia and the first thing I heard is, good luck, coach, make sure you beat the Cowboys twice. We have heard that before. And so by the time that that game started, late in the day, people are partying and people are ready to beat the Cowboys. And nothing matters more than beating the Cowboys. And this is why the NFL sets up the Eagles and the Cowboys late in the season almost every year. It's a great rivalry.
0: I cannot imagine Dave Spadaro and Christy Scales would agree on much. But here we are.
4: That's the genius of the NFL, right, is to put the two rivals at the end of the year because with uh, Washington and the New York Giants really not doing much in the decade, it just made absolute sense that it was either going to be the Eagles or the Cowboys. And that's pretty much the way it was for the whole decade. And the NFL knew exactly what they were doing in setting up those regular season finales.
0: Kickoff was 4:25 p.m. at the link. It was 47 degrees, rather warm for this late in the season. Close to 70,000 fans filled the stadium. The Cowboys won the toss.
5: Forget the records. Neither the Eagles nor the Cowboys are thrilled to be seven and seven. Regardless, one of these teams will win the NFC East and host the playoff game. For the Eagles, this game means everything.
0: First 15, Jake Elliott, a 36-yard field goal. Three nothing Eagles. The
2: defense was paying extra attention to Ezekiel Elliott. Every time
6: Ezekiel Elliott, who had over 100 yards in the October matchup, every time he carried the football, you could just see the Eagles defense swarming to him, carrying the message from 70,000 fans at the link saying, don't let Elliott get up after a big game and give me that feed me sign that he does that drives people crazy.
0: Could the Eagles defense keep Elliott from feasting? I just remember it was all
1: about, we know what they're going to run. We know what they're going to do. It's just all about who going to want it at the end of the day.
0: Still in the first quarter, Carson Wentz completes a six-yard pass to Dallas Goddard. It's a touchdown. The Eagles lead 10-0. The
2: second quarter is underway. The Cowboys kicker Kai Forbath hits a 49-yard field goal. Then, right before halftime, Forbath nails another field goal. The score sits at 10-6 Eagles going into halftime.
5: Tony Pollard, the deep man, to return the opening kickoff of the second half by Jake Elliott. Eagles scored on their first two possessions, but the Cowboys came back and scored with two field goals. It's a 10-6 Eagles lead. Eagles have had too many opportunities to only have 10 points.
0: It's the third quarter, and the Birds and the boys are ready for the second half. It's anybody's game for now.
5: Going into this
6: game, I felt that the Eagles would have to win an ugly game. The lack of weapons offensively hindered explosive plays, big gains, challenging matchups. So it was, hey, Carson, don't turn the football over. Offense, let's control the clock. Let's move the sticks. Let's go up and down the field. And uh, it just wasn't pretty. It was just kind of old-fashioned, grinded-out football.
0: Dave Spadaro was right. This game wasn't the nail-biter of 2013. It wasn't the lopsided victory of 2017, but it was everything the Eagles needed it to be. In the third quarter, Miles Sanders found the end zone, bringing the score to 17-6. to
2: Dallas made one more field goal in the fourth quarter, and then it was over. Drama? You want drama? There was plenty of it at Lincoln Financial
5: Field yesterday as the Eagles started strong and finished strongly as they beat the Dallas Cowboys 17-9. There were too many heroes to name. Suffice it to say that Carson Wentz was brilliant, Miles Sanders had another big game, and the defense held the Dallas Cowboys to just three field goals. So the Eagles saved their season, and they head for the Giants next Sunday with a chance to wrap up first place in the NFC East and gain a home
2: playoff game.
0: The final score was 17-9, Eagles. Dallas was held
2: to, oh, wait, I can use my new favorite two-word hyphenate here, another touchdown-less game. But the Eagles played the way they needed to to secure the win.
1: It was just mentality, that game, man. Everybody wanted to win the NFC East. And this was a opportunity for us to keep it going and to beat the Cowboys, who everybody loved, and, you know, was boasting about who's going to win that year. And, man, we came in with just our attitude on just making sure that we don't go out there and embarrass ourselves like we did when we went
6: down there. And the number that sticks out, Dallas was 3 of 14 on third downs. That's huge. Eagles were able to keep the Cowboys' offense off the field. And while the Eagles didn't score a lot of points, they controlled the clock. They had the football for 36 minutes and 12 seconds, grinding it out. Control football. Small ball. Not a lot of exciting plays. It was not a game of excitement. It was a game of let's figure out a way to win our way. And in the case of the Philadelphia Eagles, in December of 2019, the way they won was ugly. And they did it that day. Is there anything more Philadelphia? It was a blue-collar win in a blue-collar town against the despised Dallas Cowboys. So maybe at the end of the day, an ugly win on paper, an ugly win to the eye, was beauty in the eye of the beholder because it kept the Eagles alive. Push them into the following week where they clinched the NFC East.
4: And it was just like, not again, not to these guys, of all the teams. Sure, there's so much respect for the Eagles' defense, but it's like, why was it always the Eagles to knock the Cowboys out in that final game? And for the Eagles to advance, that's what really hurt.
0: The Eagles went on to defeat the New York Giants on the road the following week. The team clinched the NFC East title. But those feelings of euphoria were short-lived. The Birds lost to another Bird team, the Seahawks, in the wildcard game. But their December win at the link put Dallas in second place and out of the playoffs, exactly where the fans want them to be. So Rob, it seems like we've literally run out of time. I know. We played one season in this decade. And as far as we see it, in rivalry games, The Birds and the Boys are tied at 1-1. The Eagles organization has nothing but respect for the Cowboys. They continue to push our players and coaches to play better and smarter. And I have no doubt that the Boys will continue to get under our fans' skin like no other team in the NFL. It really is the fans who drive this rivalry and keep the Birds flying. So with that in mind... In our next episode, we turn our attention to some of our most well-known Eagles fans. Hi, I'm David Boreanaz. Uh, presently, I'm working on the SEAL Team, executive producer, actor, director. I'm Kevin Nagandi, ESPN host for SportsCenter as well as College Football ABC.
1: How you doing? My name is Jeff Towns, professionally known as DJ Jazz and Jeff.
4: Harley Lloyd. I play for the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team.
7: My name's Jim Kramer. I am the host of Mad Money with Jim Kramer on CNBC.
0: You have been listening to Return Game, Birds, Boys, and Bad Blood, presented by Novacare Rehabilitation. I'm Rob Ellis, and joining me this season has been the excellent Derek gut Thanks for listening. And Eagles, thank you to all of our guests for sharing their stories. And thank you to Christy Scales, Brad Sham, Charlie Waters, Cliff Harris, and Nate Newton for representing the Cowboys. This podcast is a production of Eagles Entertainment and is produced and edited by Buffy Gorilla with sound design and mixing from Peter Kelly and Trevor Hayes. Our story editor is Jeanette Woods. We couldn't have put this season together without the help from the following people. Jen Cavanaugh, Eric Long, Stacy Kelleher, Brian Papson, Jen White, Wesley Lauria, Chris McPherson, Fran Duffy, Dave Spadaro, Tanmay Patel, and Chris Rutledge. If you want to dive deeper into the birds and boys rivalry, head over to philadelphiaeagles.com slash birds, boys, bad blood, where you'll find photos, videos, additional audio, and even more behind the scenes content. Compassionate and trusted care. Clinical expertise. It's the cornerstone of NovaCare rehabilitation and why they're the leading provider of physical therapy throughout the Delaware Valley. Don't let aches and pains or any injury slow you down. Schedule an appointment today at NovaCare.com. The Philadelphia Eagles choose NovaCare, so can you. NovaCare, the power of physical therapy.